when I'm in the presence of God that I've got all the answers. But God has through the Holy Spirit. I want you to turn to your next door neighbor and say this. If you haven't got a next door neighbor, find one. If you haven't got a next door neighbor, find one. (laughs) And I want you to say this and then reverse it, okay? There's more in you that's got to come out. Now reverse it. There's more in you that that's got to come out. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. When Jeff, when Jeff asked me to preach, he gave me three subjects, but all the three subjects were in one context. So I'm going to cover three subjects tonight, but they're all linked. Okay? They're all linked. I'm going to quote a few verses, because what I'm going to talk about first is disciple or discipleship. Let me ask you a question before I bring the scriptures. Who's a disciple of Jesus Christ in this room tonight? Okay. But there's more to being a disciple than just putting our hands up. That's true. Okay? We can put our hands up. It's a word that we don't use because in the past, discipleship has mean dictatorship and all the rest of it. But when you go into the Bible and look into it, you find that discipleship is quite a challenge. It's quite a challenge. So I want to read four scriptures. And if you've got a Bible, I've got them written down here, so you don't need to turn, but you can do. I think it's always good to turn to the Word of God, don't you? So if you've got a Bible, turn to Mark 2.14. Mark 2, have you found it? Not yet. Oh, I'm a bit quicker than you because I've got things in my Bible. But I've got them written down as well. Mark 2, 14. As he walked along the, <coughs> the source, as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus said, follow me. Is that what a disciple is? Follow me? A disciple is someone who follows. And Levi, who is Matthew, got up and followed him. So our first thing about discipleship or disciple is that you've got to move. Discipleship is not static it's always on the move. Discipleship is follow. You've got to follow somebody. And in our case, we follow Jesus. That day that you made a decision for Jesus Christ, you made a move. You made a move to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. So to follow. Keep that in your minds, to follow. Now turn to John 15, 8. 
Now, I like interaction, as you know, so I'll probably ask you some questions uh, in a minute on some of these verses. This is what it says in John 15. eh? Are you there? Yes. Right. You like to read it for us, Jock? By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, what's this verse talking about? Anybody know? Be disciples. Yes. But it's something else, isn't there? To bear fruit. To bear fruit. Now, think about it. To follow, to bear fruit. What fruit are we got to bear? Anybody else? Bearing fruit is what comes with us following Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Fruit, by the way, that's grown on a tree is we got to be given away. So the fruit that we bear is for other people. We bear it ourselves. We first come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We bear fruit of the kingdom of God. And then we pass that fruit on. Amen. So those people can have a blessing. Amen. 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 Turn with me to John 8.31. Would somebody else like to read it for me please? Let's get involved in this. I want to be involved. I want to draw you in to where I'm going. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. To what teaching? What teaching are they got to be obeying? The, the word of God. We cannot live without it as Christians. Word of God is food to our bodies. Is that correct? You can disagree with me if you want. We've got to obey, to read the word. Not in a a law-giving way, but in a way the Holy Spirit speaks to us about that word. Each and every one of us that sat in this room tonight should be living the word of God in our lives. Not just here on a Sunday night or on a Sunday morning or we go to a house group. We should be living the word of God every day, every minute, every second in our lives as Christians. Now, there's no legalistic thing about it at all because when you're in love with somebody, you do all you can for them the best, you're always there, you're always ringing up. Hmm? <laughs> We're in love with God, aren't we? Amen. And God wants the best for us. And what's he given us? He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Word. He's given us Jesus Christ. What more do we want? What more do we want? Whew. It's either I'm getting in touch with the Holy Spirit or it's hot up here. <laughs> Go with me to John 13, 35. 
Would somebody else like to read it for me? When you found it. Blessed shall all men, so that you are my disciples. If you have love, come to another. <coughs> Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou cast not follow me. Now but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Amen. Thank you, Chris. You're welcome. People will know. We are God's disciples if we learn to love one another. If we learn to love one another, and let me tell you this, what he's talking about here is not people outside, but he's talking about us. We have got to love one another that the world will see that we are Jesus' disciples by the way that we love one another. By the way, do you know I think sometimes, and, I, and I've sat here, I've listened to George, I've listened to Jeff, and I've listened to other people, and sometimes we, when we start talking about, about love, sometimes it sounds very metallic. Forgive me. It sounds very metallic because it's easy to say. It's easy to say. Priscilla, I love you. Rose, I love you. Lillian, I love you. Wayne, George, and so on, I love you. Do you know, I once heard this. I love rice pudding. Anybody else? Yeah. No, I don't. I love rice pudding. And on the same hand, I love God. What's the difference? I love God, but I don't love rice pudding. No. <laughs> What's the difference? You see... It's in, our, it's in our words, isn't it? it is. I, love, I love rice pudding. I love God. God is God. I love God. Amen. And God loves me. Amen. That's what the Bible says. God Amen. loves me. Amen. Have we got it yet? Yes. Are you clicking? Pardon? Go on. No. You see... I always laugh. I, when I had a car, I was always laugh, had a laugh. And you're driving up behind this car and he says, I love my Ford. Or I love my sports car. And I'm going, what? How can a car or any material object love you back? None. But yet we put so much trust in material objects today. But God said, love one another. Then people will know that you are my disciples. So what we got? We got follow. What's the second one? Bear fruit. Read the word. And love one another. There is a challenge. To follow Jesus is a challenge. To follow Jesus when things are not going right. To follow Jesus when even things are going right. Because you know we can, when things are going right, we can think it's self. I just thought I'd drop that in. 
When Jesus called the first disciples, it wasn't because they had a good CV or had a good credit value or they all had educational university degrees. When Jesus called the disciples, and this is where we've got to get hold of this, when Jesus called the disciples, he saw more in them than they saw in themselves. That's where I was at the beginning. Jesus, God, through the Holy Spirit, sees more in you than you will ever know until you let it out. Until you let it out. I'm going up in first gear. I don't know where you are. (laughs) But I've just moved up a gear. Okay? But there's more to come. Jesus saw in his disciples something that they didn't see in themselves. He spent time teaching them. He spent time with them. They saw miracles. They saw him feed the 5,000. They saw him um, do all sorts of miracles. He saw him preach the word of God. They were around him for three years. But what was God doing in them three years? Where was God taking the disciples? You see, the disciples, and we've got an advantage here, the early disciples didn't get the bigger picture. (coughs) True. We've got an advantage. We've got no excuse. We've got no excuse other to see the bigger picture of what God's doing in our society today, within our church today. We've got no excuse. The bigger picture. You see, this is the bigger picture to the disciples. And this is a challenge to us. The challenge is this. First of all, what was the bigger plan? For the disciples. And what's the bigger plan for us? They were to become the foundation stone for the early church. They were to become the foundation church, foundation stone of the early church. Could anybody tell me what a foundation stone is? Well, a foundation stone is a stone that is celebrated at the start of a new building. If you go out to anywhere in Keithley or wherever you live and find some place, you will find a foundation stone and on it it will have some dates by the person that laid it like a mayor or somebody that was well known so each and every one of us is a foundation stone and on that foundation stone God is building his church 
God is celebrating that you are a foundation stone. God is celebrating because he sees in you potential that needs to come out. Matthew 28. Go with me to Matthew 28. It's the last chapter in Matthew. In my Bible, it's called the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, the teaching, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you to do. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. amen. What a wonderful piece of scripture. But have you noticed, the disciples were to go and make other disciples. Those other disciples would be going to come the foundation stone for other churches. Actually, the disciples were builders and planters. Weren't they? They were builders and planters. They laid a foundation stone by making disciples of other nations. Notice it's nations, not just one or two, but a nation. Oh, can we get our grips, our minds round that? That God has given us authority to go and make disciples of nations not one or two but nations that's the authority that God has given us but we bring it down I'm not knocking ones or twos but let's see the bigger picture here God's talking about nations and we're disciples (laughs) what have we got to do We've got to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ooh, I'm getting it. I've just gone into second gear. Anybody gone into second gear yet? Well, one or two of you. As disciples, we are all church builders. There's not a few of us. Not just the people that speak, or leaders like Jeff and George and Fraser and other people. We are all involved in building God's church. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you cannot get away from the fact that you are part of building God's church here on earth. Amen. 
And what a responsibility God has given us. But God has given us the power to go out and change nations. Do you know I hear a lot of people with doom and gloom or with this and that in this society. No, we haven't. We've got a bigger God than what's going on in our society. No, we've got a bigger God that's above ISIS. We've got a bigger God for all the violence. But what we've got to do is to show the love of God to those out there that don't know the love of God because we are disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we're disciples, we can't escape the fact that we've been given a responsibility. We're not in this, we're not in this, um, this, this church just to have a good time. I enjoyed the worship a wonderful worship. Thanks to Becca tonight. It was wonderful worship. Amen. And we all worship. But that's just a tiny, tiny bit of what we're about. Yeah. Is anybody getting what I'm getting at? Yeah. Yeah. I can preach to myself. I've converted myself twice already. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jeff said this a few times. Now listen to this. Matthew 6, go with me to Matthew 16, 18, if you don't believe what I've just said. It's a well-known scripture because it talks about Peter. And I think somebody mentioned, did you mention Peter? No, somebody did. I thought it was, no, I must have been talking to someone. <clears throat> Matthew 16, 18 says this. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or El, will not overcome it. Listen to the words. Will not. El, Satan, will never overcome the church as long as the church is doing what God wants them to do. And that's being disciples, building the church on earth so that other people are drawn in because we're following Jesus, we're bearing fruit, we are obeying the word, and we love one another. We love one another. I haven't got past discipleship yet. I've just gone up into third gear. I can't wait to get to turbo. <laughs> Come on, Lord. I just want to share with it. God has just dropped this in my mind. If you, will you allow me to share this? Yeah. I live in a complex in Bingley. And in the entrance, there's a fireboard. And on that fireboard, there are zones for different areas of the complex. There's zone one, two, three, four. Now each, those people that live in zone one are responsible for zone one. Can you see where I'm going? Those that live in zone five or six, they're responsible for their zone. So I got thinking about this and it really hit me. God says, what would the church look like if we were responsible for our own zones? 
that when you walked into church tonight, you said, I'm going to sit on the end here and I'm going to be responsible for the rest of the people on my row. What would it look like if we took responsibility of serving coffee? What would it look like if we were responsible for the areas that we're supposed to be responsible? Do you know, God really showed me that he wanted, and I'm talking about mm, to be responsible for the areas that I work in this church. I'm a steward. I sometimes I'm involved in daytimers. And I do other things. I have packed some things in, but the Lord has shown me. I'm responsible for my zone right now. I'm responsible. God has given me the authority to bring the word. And I've got to be responsible for that. Because I think that when we fetch the word, we've got to realize we're talking about God and not David. We're responsible. Anybody that stands up and preach, you are responsible to God and allowing God to give you the words to say through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know, it really hit me that if I were truly responsible, I'm I'm talking about myself, I'm not pointing the finger, but what would the church look like if we took really, really took the responsibility for our own zones? (coughs) Boy, oh boy, we'd learn to love one of them. That's going to lead me into the next subject. (laughs) Am I doing for time, George? All right. So I've talked about discipleship and I've brought church in. Now I'm talking about a subject that some of us might go, That subject is Christian maturity. You see the look on your faces. I told you you'll go. Mm. Mm. Turn with me to Hebrews, please. You got a Bible? Turn with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5, starting at verse 13. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. mature. Who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish between good forms of evil. Now listen, therefore let us leave, leave what? The elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance for the the act that leads to death 
and of faith in God, instructions about baptism and laying on hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, and God permitted, we will do so. This was a challenge to me. Christian maturity is an important in the life of a Christian. What is spiritual maturity? It is moving beyond the basics and moving towards the life in the full devotion to God. You see, the trouble is, and I'm going to use a baby here, Moving from milk to solid food. You see, a baby, and those who have had babies, those, those babies, in their first few months, drink milk. Am I right, mothers? Drink milk. Now, this is what he's talking about here. This is a serious matter. It is. Because what he actually is saying is, if that baby at 10 year old is still being fed on its mother's milk there's something wrong isn't there there's something wrong in other words that baby's not matured and the parents have got a problem because that that child should be on solid food as well as milk But yet sometimes, as Christians, we act as though we're still on milk when we should be on solid food. Because it says so in scriptures, not my words. Paul is saying, this is a serious matter, this is. Paul is saying here, you want teachings about who Christ is. Why did Christ come? What's the elementary truths of the gospel? Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. To believe in the resurrection. But what Paul's saying here is you keep going back. You keep want being fed with milk. I don't want solid food because solid food doesn't agree with me. I'd rather have milk. It's easy to take. It's easy to drink than a, a nice beast uh, Roast and a few Yorkshire puddings and a few baked potatoes. Well, I'll tell you what I'd like. I'd like a few Yorkshire puddings and bait. I'm not all that keen on beef, but I can have chicken or pork, of course. But what it's saying here is it's about time you grew up, got onto solid food, and started teaching the others about the kingdom of God about those that come into our church who don't know anything about the kingdom of God. You should be teaching them, but you're not in the right state. Is that what Paul's saying? He's saying, grow up. Grow up. You want elementary teaching because that tickles my ears. But can I tell you, if that's all we're doing, We're not going anywhere. Like the child who's still drinking milk at 10 year old. 
He's got a problem. And his parents. But God's got a problem as well with us. He says, I have given you solid food, but you still want milk. You should be teaching others, but you want teaching yourself. The elementary truth. Now, he says elementary truths. But basic, it means basics, doesn't it? Elementary truths are the basic of our Christian life. We should all know what the elementary truth is in our life. It's taking our faith into the next level. Taking our faith into the next level. Who likes the Olympics? When they do the jump or the pole vault, somebody goes over it. 14 feet, and they all go over it. They are the bar. They don't lower it. They don't lower it so they can all get over. They put it up. Because what they're doing, they're eliminating the weak ones. (laughs) They're eliminating the weak ones. And eventually, there's one that wins the gold. There'll be one that wins the silver. But that's what God's saying to us all in this piece of scripture. Move your bar. Move your bar. Lift your bar up. If it's two foot off the ground, I can step over it. If it's three foot off the ground, I might be able to jump over it. Well, at my age, I don't know about that. But But I, the bar gets... But you've got to realize the difference between the Olympics and what God is doing. If we work with God through the Holy Spirit, we can jump any bar. We can jump any bar. Any problem. Anything that God has called us to. Even if he's raised the bar with God through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can jump it. Amen? We can jump it. And we'll all get a gold medal. Now I'm waiting for a crown, George. We're all waiting for crowns. Do you know Christianity isn't based on events? It's, based, it's a process. And Paul talks about the, the process and the event, and he talks about process. He's always talking about pressing on for the goal. I run to the touchline. I'm going to run faster. Might not be able to nowadays, but I'm pressing on to that goal. And I want to fight the good fight in the name of Jesus Christ. The the gates of hell are not going to stand against me, I'll tell you that now. Because I've got Jesus Christ. And on this rock, God is building his church. Oh boy, oh boy, God wants to see solid foundations. Christian maturity moving into the church. All parts of the church, the Christian maturity moving in. Not dependent on George to feed us or David or anybody else or Jeff. We should be feeding ourselves. And the only way you can feed yourself is through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Okay? 
If you neglect the word of God and the Holy Spirit, you're not feeding yourself. It's all right going to a banquet and say, oh, this is a lovely spread. And you sit down there and you sit there all the way through the, blank- the banquet and they've got <laughs> trifle, I love trifle. Um, <laughs> and all you do is look at it and say, it looks nice. And everybody would go, everybody would look at you gone out. Why ain't he enjoying all this spread? It's been paid for. Oh, it's been paid for. Anybody tell me where it says in Scripture that God has set a banquet before us? God has set a banquet before us. It's been paid for for the cross of Jesus Christ. And boy, oh boy, the storehouse is full of treasures. The trouble is, we open the door ajar and say, well, I'll just have that little one there. <laughs> but God says, open the doors. Open the doors. Get your hand in. Get yourself in there and get all the gifts that God has given you. Don't be picky or choosy. God has given us the gifts, all the gifts, for all of us. Not just some of us. All of us. Amen. Are you with me? I won't get through this, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> Go to Philippians chapter 3. Are we all right for time, George? I'm not... Well, I am. I don't go to bed till 11. All right. <laughs> I don't know what time it is. I can't see the clock from here. I haven't got a watch on. But I'm nearly there. I'm nearly there. Bear with me. Because this is important. Amen. It's important to get hold of this message. Because it's a life-giving message. God has given us the word. He's given us Jesus Christ. He's given us the Holy Spirit. It's a life-giving word. It's not a dead word. We're moving on. We're following Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, we follow. Wherever the Holy Spirit drops, we, we're there. I want to see the God move in tremendous faith. You know what the, the song says, the secular song? You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Expect the unexpected. Expect things to happen tonight after this service. Expect things to happen on the way home. Expect the Holy Spirit to speak to you and say, right, I want you to go in a different direction. Expect it. Do you know, I heard this the other day. And it's, I don't know where the people were coming from. I want David... David, I want to know God's will for my life. Grow up, you're in God's will. Where if you aren't in God's will now, you don't have to ask if you're in God's will. You're in God's will. If you're a born again Christian, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know Jesus Christ, your personal saviour. You're in the word of God. Where are you? You're in God's will. But where do people come from? What they're actually saying is, I want it writing on a a piece of paper that God wants me to do this. But God's the God of God is God is God. He works where he wants to work. He doesn't doesn't fit into my routine. He fits into his own routine. What we've got to do is to get on the side with God through the Holy Spirit and go where God is taking us. I'm getting excited. Anybody else? Oh. 
God, the, the Holy Spirit is powerful here, I'll tell you. Did I read that? I can't remember. <laughs> Sorry about that. You like to read it for us, George? Please. Uh, Philippians 3, 12 and 14. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. There's some powerful stuff there, George. But I press on. Amen. He doesn't give up halfway through. He's pressing on. And look what Paul went through. And he's still pressing on. And he hadn't obtained it yet. He went through shipwreck, stoning. Don't know how many times he escaped with his life. And then he turns around and he's in prison. And he turns around. I haven't obtained it yet. Boy, boy, if Paul can say that, I'm saying the same. God's got more for me. In my old age, that's true. God's got more for you <laughs> in your age. God, George is not being funny there. No, no. Because we have this tendency to say, well, I'm a certain age, I, I'll just sit back and relax. And God must go, oh, no. I didn't see that coming. But I've got more for you. Yeah. I've got more for you. Let it out. Allow the Holy Spirit to draw it out of you. Finally. It's a choice. It's a choice. All of what I've said tonight... Is a choice. You can carry on drinking milk if you want. But you're not going to find the fullness of God's kingdom in your life. But when you start eating solid food, all heaven will break loose. Not the occasional fast food the real food of heaven and here's a challenge for you look what it says about the food of heaven in scripture there's a daily there's a study for you To finish with, <clears throat> it's a willingness to make choices. Do we follow God's viewpoint rather than our own viewpoints? I 
Are we following God's viewpoint? Or have I got my own opinion about God? No, God's got an opinion about you. Just one more thing. I love this. This is a quote. Maturity is realizing that our Lord can and will bring goodness and glory to any situation. Let us pray.